Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Dustin Hawkinsmith and Johnny McGonigal. Welcome in. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn State Health. Dustin Hawkinsmith here with Johnny McGonigal. We do have what I call... The rest of the season for Penn State, a four-game season the rest of the way. Everybody looking at this three-game stretch they just completed, the whooping at Michigan, the whiteout rebound against Minnesota, and then the loss where they're leading in the fourth quarter, kind of the same old script, it seems, in that series with Ohio State. And now the challenge, Johnny, is to regroup and go on the road to Bloomington against a not-so-good Indiana team and find – Energy, motivation, competitiveness, the, the the desire to dominate Indiana. And I think that, to me, is the number one storyline is how, not motivated, but how together is this Penn State team? Because, like, those guys, you know, James Franklin can talk to always blue in the face about going 1-0 each week. Everybody knew what the deal was with those last three games they played, and now it's everything else. So the question is, how sharp do you anticipate them being in Bloomington? Yeah, this this Indiana game, this is one where it seems like it's right up, served on a platter for this Penn State team to rebound. Indiana's lost, um, you know, just consecutive games, you know, back to back to back. They're coming off uh, a bye week, which, you know, in theory uh, should help Tom Allen's team. But really, they just have not done anything right uh, so far this season. Offense, defense, special teams, I guess that, that Jalen Lucas as a returner has been a little spark for them. Uh, but I mean, Connor Basilak, their quarterback, has thrown an interception or you know nine nine interceptions this game, an interception in every Big Ten game so far this season. So this is one where Penn State secondary, after contending with C.J. Stroud last week, should be able to feast a little bit. Joey Porter Jr. and company, and then the running game as well, like you know Nick Singleton uh, and Katron Allen, who I thought had a sneaky good game against Ohio State. Uh, those two guys should be able to run. Uh, rampant against this Indiana defense that has allowed, you know, 100-yard rushers in six of seven FBS games and uh, allowed the most runs of 30-plus yards in Big Ten play this year. Uh, So that's a lot of stats for you, and that's what it is on paper. But like you said, Dustin, sometimes after these games, you know, know, an Ohio State hangover uh, could be in play here for Penn State. You know, thankfully for them, it's not a noon kick in Indiana because those dull, dreary noon kicks in Bloomington uh, seem to give teams problems all the time. Uh, and so it'll be a 3.30 start. They get a little extra sleep. They can maybe you know, hit another uh, Red Bull, get another, you know, some energy, you know, create their own juice. Um, you know, going into this thing as two touchdown, you know, favorites, you would uh, hope, you know, if, if you're James Franklin and, and, you know, his players and his coaching staff that you kind of take it to Indiana right away, get a good halftime lead, get Drew Aller in. I think that is absolutely the best case scenario. And you, you know, you talk about this Indiana team, five losses in a row. You know, I think they've been pretty competitive in some of those games. Like they were, I think, tied with Michigan at the half a, a few weeks ago. But, you know, the bottom line is two weeks ago, they lost at Rutgers 24 17. You know, you'll you lose to Nebraska. 
Uh, it's not a great season for Tom Allen and these Hoosiers. They were also two and 10 last year. So I, you know, my theory is that we might be looking at the last few games of the Tom Allen era in Indiana. It's possible. I love that guy. I personally would want to play for him and I'd hate for one podcast to go by where one of us doesn't pretend that we play football, Johnny, but I would play for Tom Allen. Like I, I think, um, you know, results are what they are and they're just not seeming to get any better. Uh, you could see this team beginning this weekend lose four in a row. They've got Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan State, and Purdue uh, left. Ohio State and Michigan State both on the road. So this could be a team that, uh, after going two and ten last year, could be three and nine uh, this year. So you're right. On paper, I, I it feels like this should be a a cruising type of game and. You know, Indiana, when you say they don't do a lot of things well, they really do not do a lot of things well. They are 80th or 90th or worse in almost nationally in almost every single offensive and defensive category. And it's particularly jarring. You know, I, I think it, it would be uh, like, I don't think Indiana is always built around run game, run defense, but that's kind of where Tom Allen is. To see them rank 128th in the country in rushing offense kind of tells you everything you need, need to know. It, they put a lot on Connor Basilak's shoulders, and it's reflective in that turnover total. So if Penn State's defense comes to play, you know, Indiana is going to struggle bad. I think you and I see it a little bit differently in terms of what we expect from Penn State. I expect it to be to be dreary still. I know it's not a noon start, but it's still going to be a dreary 3.30 start. I don't think Penn State's going to cover. Uh, that's my opinion. Uh, you've got, I think, what, like 44-13. You think it's... So it's like on paper, there's one thing I just am, I'm lean, I'm kind of, I'm having a hard time getting past the energy that they will or won't have um, going out there. Yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, I don't blame you at all for thinking that. And if this ends up being 24 to, you know, 20 or something, or 24, 13 or whatever, wouldn't necessarily be surprised. But uh, the way I see it, I think I have it 44 to 13. I think Penn State gets a defensive touchdown or two. We haven't, you know, we saw the pick six at, uh, Michigan be a spark for them. Uh, you know, we saw how that game turned out, obviously. But uh, this defense, you know, they've been around the ball too much not to create uh, turnovers and big plays. I mean, you look at their their pass breakups; they're still leading the country uh, with sixty. Uh, that's fifteen more than the next team up, which is Illinois. Uh, but they've only got seven interceptions and fifty five teams. When I checked earlier this week, it might have changed with some action going on, Dustin. But, you know, last I checked, 55 teams had more interceptions than Penn State this year. That just seems it just seems a little off. And so I think, you know, Wooder's going to find its level a little bit. They're going to, you know, those pass breakups, that disruption in the secondary uh, is going to pay dividends. And uh, look for the, the way that Nick Singleton ran in the second half against Auburn and really put that game to bed, I think could happen again here in Indiana, given what you mentioned, what Indiana has really ha- doesn't have uh, in its run defense, I was surprised too when I was going back and watching some of their games, and uh, and then looking at the stats too with what you know Tom Allen's run defense uh, when he was a D coordinator there still in 2016. I remember they shut down Saquon Barkley. Uh, they did the same from a running game standpoint. Penn State won both those games still, uh, and then they did the same thing to him in 2017. Uh, and those games always stuck in my mind. And so I, I went into this week, you know, going into scout and look at Indiana, thinking like, all right, maybe they they have some of the remnants of what Allen normally works with the way that he kind of establishes a mentality and a mindset within that defense. It doesn't seem to be there. I'm just going to throw this out there. I feel like, um, you know, we've seen Michigan state come back to earth a bit 
and we've seen, seen Indiana struggle. Those teams are probably the two most active teams in the transfer portal. Uh, Indiana in 2022 had 13 guys transfer in. And I'm not saying that this is a wholehearted, like, don't use the transfer portal. I think, you know, it, it might be just a case study in caution. You know, there it's, it's not as quick a fix as you might think. And I don't know that it's a, a real sustainable formula going forward. I'm not even saying I attribute what the, their struggles to that, but it's hard to ignore the fact that, you know, teams that are looking for a shortcut, so to speak, aren't really getting what they bargain for every single year. It's almost like it's not a substitute for building organically the way that Penn State is trying to do. For sure. And we've seen, you know, Michigan State really struggle this year. Mel, Mel Tucker, he got paid. So, you know, good for him for cashing in on that that big season last year when you know they had Kenneth Walker and everyone else transferring in and, and end up leaving. But yeah, Penn state, you know, going into you know this week, especially with some offensive line concerns, I mean, they're going to have to lean potentially of guys like Olufashanu and, uh, and Landon Tengwall, if they can't go, they're going to be having to lean on that depth. And so we'll see, you know, kind of how some of those younger guys, some of the more developmental guys behind them, uh, potentially how they play. We know Bryce Effner is going to play a lot. James Franklin said that uh, after his Wednesday, uh, after Penn State's Wednesday practice, uh, that Bryce, who you know, started at right tackle against Ohio State, that, that he'll continue to have a larger role, whether that's inside at guard or outside at tackle or on the other side at left tackle, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Down the stretch here, Penn State's depth and program building uh, and these young guys are going to get in, and the biggest one being Drew Aller. Uh, we we spent a lot of time this week talking about him and the quarterback situation. And Dustin, we haven't been able to speak about it though. So how how would you how would you handle the quarterback? I, you know, I feel like this is a question that everyone is asking each other uh, in the Penn State sector, whether you're a fan, a media member, whatever. How would you handle Aller, Clifford, and these final four games? You know, I think some people look at these four games and whether you win or lose them as kind of like this hollow existence kind of thing. And to me, I mean, these games matter. I think uh, if you got a shot at 10 wins, you put everything you possibly can to getting 10 wins. And I've seen the sentiment that, you know, what's what's the difference if you're 10 and 2 when you lose the two, only two games that matter? Well, I mean, there aren't a lot of programs in the country. I don't care, you know, who you are that win 10 games year in and year out. Like, I, I don't think there's anything empty about any game remaining. And I do think that Sean Clifford does give Penn State the best chance to win. You know, I love Drew Aller. I love Drew Aller. I want to see him get more reps. And I think that's why, to me, you know, I think the move is to start Sean Clifford, but play Drew Aller early enough. And get, it looks like it looked like early on that's what they were going to do. They were going to play him in games before it was settled. If you're waiting for games to be settled and for the opponent to have 0% chance to come back, you're not often going to get Drew Aller in a game in Big Ten play. So I would like to see a, a series or two at least earlier in the game. I understand, you know, like wanting to lean on your veteran. I, I get where James Franklin's coming from. If he hasn't made a move away from Sean Clifford at this point in his life, he's not going to make that move. But I want to see Drew Aller earlier in games and not waiting for the outcome to be settled because, as we've seen, that there's a good chance that that moment's not going to come. Yeah, it feels like James Franklin's a little addicted to Sean Clifford. You know, just the, he said earlier this week, he said earlier this week that you know Sean being a four-time captain doesn't play into the you know doesn't factor into the decision to start him every week. And 
I, you know, I don't really see that. I feel like that's kind of BS. I don't know. Like it, it feels like the, the seniority and, and like, to, you know, it's valuable, like to an extent. And I, I feel like that does play a role though, play a factor, especially when you're a six year guy. And, uh, you know, he still has the locker room. I, you know, I, I don't think there's been like, I'm sure there's frustration. There's always frustrations between receivers and, and quarterbacks and everything. And he's missed some open guys uh, this year, not just in that Ohio state game, but, you know, Franklin was saying earlier this week that he thought that, you know, Clifford played well and played his tail off against Ohio State, just that there are four to six plays that you have to kind of weed out. And, you know, Sean hasn't done that to this point. Turnovers have been his kryptonite. Uh, and so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I kind of I lean with you, Dustin. I do think 10 and two is a big deal. Um, and I think you have to put all your resources into doing that, especially after going 11 and 11 in your last two years. Um you know, just to just to kind of, you know, hit the reset button a bit on the last few years and say, all right, that was a fluke. Let's flush it um, and and let's get back to being, you know, at least a New Year's Six Bowl contending team. And then, you know, if, if you're able to clip an Ohio State or a Michigan every year, then you're you're right and you're in business. So uh, but I do think that playing Aller is imperative over these final four games. How that looks, we'll find out. Uh, I do think that, you know, getting him in for a series or two in the first half, maybe even start him against Rutgers uh, on the road, I think could be a nice little blue because, you know, Rutgers is, is not, I mean, they're okay defensively, offensively. They're just, they're terrible. Uh, so, and I kind of, I kind of would think that's a good situation too, where you don't start Aller at home because then you're going to just get like all the crazy cheers for him and the booze if Clifford comes in and, Get his first start maybe at Rutgers, and yeah, I know we're looking you know way far down the line here, but uh, we'll see we'll see what they ultimately do uh, at Indiana, you know, with Clifford and, and Aller. But you got to get him in. Do you think? Um, you know, it feels like the narrative has shifted a little bit, and I feel like it hasn't really. I just felt like James Franklin was asked about this more. I think I think the the reality of the situation of okay, okay, you cleared Ohio State, you've cleared this three game stretch. There's limited amount of time left. You look committed early to playing Drew Allard. It's like, if you're going to burn his red shirt, you know, like you might as well burn it all the way. Don't just get a little bit of a flame there. Like flame on, like let, let's, let's use this kid and get him maximum, you know, exposure and reps. But I, I did feel like the, the narrative in my eyes hasn't shifted all that much when it comes to what James Franklin's actually going to act upon. I think you just asked about it more. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like just the, uh, you know, whether it's the interest from RN from like a media member standpoint uh, has heightened given what happened in the Ohio state game and how that game was lost too. like, you know, Sean Clifford went out there and threw for, I don't know, 270 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers and Penn state lost. Uh, I think we would be maybe having a different conversation. I think the tone, at least the tone around the conversation would be different, but you know, for a lot of people who want to see drew, uh, and have wanted to see Drew real, really over the last you know couple weeks or few weeks, uh, but especially now, I, th- I think a part of that 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 tone that conversation was because you know Clifford turned the ball over four times against Ohio State, and as much as you know Franklin just wants to say like hey we got to get rid of those plays like again he has not gotten rid of those plays that that's a part of who Sean Clifford is that's what that's what you know you're signing up for when you're putting him in as quarterback and so. 
does that change over the final four games? I do think I, I do agree with you that you know Penn State has a better chance to win on a given week right now with Sean Clifford than they do Drew Aller. Uh, but is that difference? Is that delta? Like, is that wide enough? Is the gap wide enough to not put Drew in? And I really think it would be a wasted opportunity. Uh, if you don't use these final four games, like I, I really, I really think going into the season, once Drew played in the Purdue game, I think the the burning of the red shirt that was already happening at that point. Like, there's no way you go back on that. And then they, you know, they they get him in into the Auburn game at the end, and that re- really was like, okay, you're not red shirting this kid. You you got just play him as much as you can. Uh, that's not going to be a detriment to your team. And I think it's one of those where, if, okay, you start off, let Clifford start. Uh, have you know a couple series, few series, and then get Drew in. And if Sean is struggling and Drew is thriving, just keep the kid in, let him cook, you know. And 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 if he does poorly, put the veteran back in, you know. Just I don't know. I, I don't want to say that you don't want to play with fire too much because uh, Tom Allen's a good coach, you know. And and you know Maryland is a frisky team this year, and uh, you know Shiano is Shiano. I, I don't know. Like you don't want to mess around uh, with these teams. You want to be disrespectful. You don't want to. Franklin said earlier this week that he has a you know an obligation to the other coaches and the other players in the locker room to to put everything towards winning every week. You got to do that, but you also got to look at your future and and see what's what. On one hand, so media members asking the question because that's the only thing that's in your Twitter mentions or in your inbox. I mean, it's not the only thing, but it's one of the it has clearly been the topic all year long, and I think it's not just like your fascination or whoever's asking the question, their fascination. This is a situation where uh, you're speaking on behalf of what most fans care the most about. And whether that's rational, irrational, whatever, I think a lot of people look at, you know, the four-year commitment made from James Franklin to Sean Clifford, and they're frankly tired of it. You know, they, they, they didn't think it was a good commitment early, and the commitment has not gotten any better. Um, I look back at 2020 when Sean Clifford came the closest he's ever come to being benched. Uh, But, you know, Will Levis never really got a fair shake at, at, at being Penn State starting quarterback. That was just a perspective changer for Sean Clifford. I think this is four years of exhaustion building up. And now you've got a five star freshman who, who looks like the real deal. And that just enhances it even more. And not only that, but what James Franklin even said during his press conference, because you're looking for, you know, him to say, uh, yeah, Drew just isn't ready. Or, you know, if, if he if he puts that out there and says, uh, look, we're, we're, we're sticking with Sean here because as talented um, and as raw, you know, as uh, you know, in terms of potential uh, that Aller has, he's just not ready yet. You know, if he said that, you know, who are we to say, you know, he's he's wrong because we're not watching practice every day. We're not going through film room with him. But when he was asked about Drew Aller and he says, oh, you know, big arm and, you know, all these talent, you know, whatever. And he said, you know, sometimes these big arm quarterbacks, they're not accurate. He's accurate. And he's like, and also, and Sean has, you know, played a factor into this, but he's also always prepared. So he's big arm, accurate, prepared. What else do you want in a quarterback? And so, um, other than, you know, again, maybe the smaller things, which Mike Yersich hit on a few weeks ago when we talked to him on one of these, uh, you know, coaching, uh, you know, conference calls that, uh, that a true freshman sometimes doesn't make some of the checks at the line of scrimmage and some of these little things, uh, that he, you know, seemingly loves, uh, that, that, that Clifford does. Uh, but I mean, if the kid's prepared and, and he has a bigger arm and he's accurate, then that's going to stoke the fan base even more that that's the, people are going to want to see him. 
People are going to want to see this kid play. And I think we will see him play. Uh, and I think it's, it's just a matter of time. And uh, I know that <laughs> time is, you know, a lot of people have waited long enough uh, at this point. Uh, it's a combination of the seeing, wanting to see Aller and wanting to move on from, from Clifford. It's just a matter of time, guys. Just you know, we're we're gonna get there. Uh, it it'll be it'll be soon enough. We'll see Drew Aller uh, be the starter of this team. Whether that's this year, uh, I don't think so. But we're gonna see him play. Um, at least that's what I would do. That's that's what I think everyone would do. And it would be a disservice to the program if they don't get Aller in uh, significant reps over the next month. My my last point on this, and then we'll move on. I want to touch on the offensive line a bit and uh, Parker Washington, but. Um, you know, I think just to articulate, I know yours just did it a little bit, but I, I I think if James Franklin said, like, look, when you're in the stands or you're watching on TV, there are a billion things that get communicated from Sean Clifford to the rest of the offense that, you know, a true freshman is just not going to be able to do to the same level as Sean Clifford. You know, Sean Clifford has seen everything. He's an extension of the coaching staff out there. Everybody's in the right places. Um, everybody's on the same page. Uh, he sees things in the defense that a young player won't like. I just think a better articulation of all the non-throwing things that Sean Clifford does, like let, let articulate the value that nobody else seems to see, at least level with us as far as that goes. I don't know that that will ever be good enough. I don't know if there's an explanation that is good enough because you have a good point that he never has. He's never spoken about Drew Aller as if he's not ready. He has just said has just said all along Sean Clifford gives us a better chance to go one and zero. So yeah, I don't I don't know, but I don't know how much better a chance. Like, is it eighty percent for Clifford versus seventy four percent for Drew Aller? At that point, you know, like what what's the difference in percentages? This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. And we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. The offensive line, as you touched on, I think is one of the bigger storylines in terms of Penn State's ability to, to win this game handily. We don't know, you know, Olufashanu left early against Ohio State. Um, we don't know his status because James Franklin makes it a point not to. We also know... You know, we've seen this week that the odds of Olu Fashanu coming back, even though he's just 19, seem to shrink by the day, right? Yeah, Fashanu has just, yeah, he, he's really taken off as a prospect. Going back to even his Outback Bowl in, in his first start, uh, there were a lot of people that were excited uh, around his potential in that game and just the, the raw tools that he had and, you know, his quickness, his size, his strength, everything. Um, and, and he was noted preseason as like, a, hey, like, this is a guy to watch, like keep an eye on him, kind of overlooked under under the radar prospect. Dane Brugler of The Athletic has him as his number five overall prospect at the midseason point for the 2023 NFL draft. That's an incredible rise. I mean, he's you know, going from you know off the preseason top 50 list for Dane to be number five, the, the number one offensive tackle behind only – uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson from Alabama, Jalen Carter from Georgia, and Miles Murphy from Clemson. That's absurd. And you know what? It's warranted, though, too. I mean, like the, the tape that he's put out there, you know, against Michigan, Auburn, Ohio State, you know, he's allowed, I think, four pressures in his, uh, in his either his last four games or in Big Ten play, um, but hasn't allowed a sack this season. Uh, can grow in, in the run game, but when you look at him at six foot six, you know, 
you know, three plus 300 pounds and, you know, the ceiling that he has, he's turning 20 in December. This is a guy that if you're Penn state, you'd love to have come back. If you're the NFL, if you're a team that's drafting in the top 10 and you're desperate for tackle help, you would love for him to say, see you guys, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to the NFL and, and you have a chance to draft a guy like that because not only is he a great player, but he's a super smart guy. And uh, I was able to talk to Dane a little bit more about his evaluation of Fashanu uh, for a story on uh, on Penn Live this week. Um, so check that out if you haven't yet. But Fashanu is a guy that they would love to have coming back next season. They would love to have him back this week uh, for Indiana. Whether or not that's the case, you know, James Franklin has been mal, you know, mom about injuries uh, dating back to when he got here, unless it's season ending and it's not season ending. Uh, for him or Landon Tangwall. And if Fashana was out, I'm sure they would bump Tangwall out to left tackle. But I mean, if you're missing both those guys, you're really, you're getting into your depth pieces at that point. Uh, and you know, Fashanu, again, we talk about his NFL prospects. He's not a guy that, that they should rush back, especially at this point with two losses. Like, you know, if he's, if he's iffy, even if he's 95%, he should not play. Uh, at this point, it, you know, whatever his injury is, we don't know the extent of it. Uh, but he came off in the middle of the final drive against Ohio State. Of course, a garbage time drive. They're down by three touchdowns at that point. That didn't really matter. And of course, he you know ends up leaving at that point. So uh, we'll have to see on that. Number one, I think there's not going to be a lot of incentive for Olafashanu to come to come back. If if getting to the league is a priority, uh, he might not have a better opportunity than this. There's no guarantee that he's going to improve his draft stock. There's no guarantee he's going to stay healthy. Like. This is going to be a strike while the iron's hot. If the league feels as as Dane Brugler does, which I'm sure they do. Uh, one thing that really jumped out was um, James Franklin talking about functional play strength. You know, the ability, even if in those times where his footwork gets a little out of sync or he's out of position or if a guy gets a step on him off the edge, his play strength and his ability to um, respond whenever he's not in optimal position, that's just the talent piece of it. You know, the, the strength and athleticism combination that will only get better over time, but that has made him special and that has made him, you know, a top five guy, according to Dane Brugler. It's hard to find guys like 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 Olu Fashano. And, um, you know, I think without a doubt, Penn State's offensive line has been better prior to, to, to this point. Uh, and it's, you know, with Olu Fashano playing to that level. And if he doesn't play, you know, you got another young guy who looks promising, too, who who might get more of an opportunity in Drew Shelton. And if Oluwashanu moves on and they feel about Drew Shelton the way they seem to feel about Drew Shelton, who's a true freshman, a four-star from, from down your way, Downingtown West, he could be getting a look at him over these next few weeks could be an important piece of it too. Yeah, and look, uh, Drew Shelton has already played in two games this year. I think before the season, they would have liked to redshirt him, whether or not they have that choice. Again, we don't know the extent of the injuries with you know, Tengwall, who's missed uh, a few games already, and and now Fashanu, uh, we don't know the extent of those injuries. They could both be back this week and everything's fine and dandy against the Hoosiers. Or, you know, they're again, they're extenuating circumstances and, and they gotta they gotta wait their time. And then that would be opening the door potentially for a true freshman that they feel really good about. And Franklin said this week that if they weren't trying to save his red shirt, that they would have played Drew Shelton a bunch already this year and that he's done a really good job. He's super smart. He prepares well. He's gotten bigger, stronger. And that's what you want to hear, you know, especially for the true freshman offensive lineman, uh, because it's it's easier for, you know, we've seen it with Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, 
uh, even Amari Evans at wide receiver. Like for skill position guys, it's easier to get on the field early as true freshmen. For offensive linemen, it's really tough. Uh, so to hear that about Drew Shelton this early uh, in his development, I think is really big. Um, and so if they're able to get him reps, uh, even if he doesn't start, even if he's just like you know, rotating in and getting more, uh, and if they're able to still redshirt him, I think that'd be huge. Uh, it just kind of depends on what they've got going on at offensive line. We'll find out more, uh, you know, during pregame warmups in Bloomington on Saturday, I guess. There is a scenario where Penn State doesn't bring back either, but starting offensive tackles next year. And that's just something that's going to, they're going to have to shuffle the deck and Drew Shelton will be probably a part of that, um, that effort. One last thing. And I just want to make this point because um, this is where, an area where I feel like I disagree with James Franklin. Um, talk about Parker Washington. The last two weeks that the, the last two games he's played, including against Ohio state where 11 catches 179 yards and a touchdown. He was unstoppable in that game. Uh, and James Franklin kind of addressed the idea of why did we not see more of that in the first half of the season, more or less. And he said he's not going to force feed Parker Washington. I disagree. I think you do force feed Parker Washington. I think he's a number one guy and you treat him as such. You get the ball in his hands, especially whenever you can do it in such a wide variety of ways. And like what he did in that 58 yard touchdown, you know, catch and run, that's the possibility that he presents that not a lot of guys in America do. I think you absolutely put a target number and say, we got to get it in this guy's hands eight times a game. hundred percent. This is, he is like, he's looking like DJ Moore out there. If you remember when he played at Maryland and now uh, with the Carolina Panthers, I saw some NFL draft types also bring that up over the weekend. And uh, so I'll steal that, but I, that, that's, that's what I thought of in the press box as well. Um, like the way that his, you know, his low center of gravity, the way that he's able to rip through arm tackles and, uh, really create after the catch. You know, Parker has just been electrifying over the last two weeks. Uh, and he's been open earlier in the season too. I remember, I think it was the Northwestern game. He was open for like a 30 yard gain and uh, Sean Clifford just missed them. So th- there have been opportunities uh, you know, for him, not enough opportunities though. I mean, you, you look back at uh, what, you know, he was at what, three, four, five catches a week and just 30, 40, 50 yards, you know, maybe a 70 yard game here or there. I mean, that was a, a career high for him against Ohio state uh, and only his third hundred yard game, which seems crazy, but you know, 179 yards against Buckeyes prior to that, it was 148 against Villanova. And then he had 109 against Ohio state last year. Uh, and so this was a big performance for him personally, especially being on the stage uh, with Marvin Harrison jr. And, you know, Mecca Buka and this Ohio state offense has been heralded all season, rightfully so uh, for their weapons and their wide receivers specifically, and for Parker to have damn near match uh, Marvin Harrison's numbers and and do it in, in a way that, you know, hey, you're on national TV and all, all that. I think it was a big moment for him. And we'll have to see if he decides to come back because he he could have an opportunity to leave for the NFL as well, uh, especially when the scouts flip on that tape from the Ohio State game. So uh, this is a guy that you have to get the ball. You have to scheme him up. You have to you really have to work um, to get him as many touches as possible. And that means whoever the quarterback is too. When he's open, you got to hit him. You know they they hit him for a couple of some you know screens and uh, and that middle screen, which is where he he broke the tackle and scored on. Like do that more often. I mean, do that more often. Get the ball in Parker Washington's hands. He's really good. Force feed him. You know, uh, I, you know, Just, like I I get it. Might work your way through your progressions and make the smart read and stuff. But there are certain guys, and I think Parker Washington is one of them that you have to prioritize getting him the ball. And when you can do that in easy ways in the screen game and the short passing game, 
why why not do it? That's I, I disagree with James Franklin. I think you got to do it. We'll see. He's he's got a lot of momentum going into Indiana. He does. You know, anytime you can go off against Ohio State, the eyeballs on that game are totally different than eyeballs on any other game, really, on Penn State's schedule. So, so that helps Parker Washington uh, with the NFL. We'll see what happens. Penn State a two touchdown favorite hitting the road for Indiana. Four game stretch here that can make the difference between you know a not so good season and possibly a ten and two season. It all begins in Bloomington. Uh, this Saturday, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. That's Johnny McGonagall. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith here on the Blue White Breakdown. Check us out everywhere podcasts can be found. Everything else we do is available at penlive.com slash Football. We'll see you next time. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penlive. Live.